Hello and welcome to the latest Mouth of the Time podcast. I'm Jordan Cronin and as ever, I am joined by Liam Kennedy to digest last night's 5-0 hammering at Manchester City. Being brutally honest, I don't know where to start with that really. Uh, you know, there were, there were just so many things wrong with that display. But I will go back to the to the to before the start of the game, which I'm sure everyone will agree was a much happier time before, before kicked off. But um, six changes were named by Steve Bruce, uh, Alan St. Maxim, Jamal Lascelles, Isaac Hayden, Andy Carroll were all left at home due to injury. Miguel Almiron and Javier Manquillo were dropped to the bench. So that's all the likes of Amiel Kraft put in the central defence, Fabian Shaw in midfield, and I think John Joe Shelby might look like a, a number 10 position or possibly even next to uh, Joe Linton up top. But I mean, just looking at, that, at the start of 11 yesterday, did it feel a bit like square pegs in round holes, Liam? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get it. I, I get the idea that he decided he wanted to go on the front foot against them. I do get that, but um, given the players at his disposal and the players that he decided to pick in certain positions, it made little sense. The formation, the system, everything. It just it just looked like changes for changes' sake. He's tried something. It hasn't worked. It was really bad. Actually, it was really bad. They got he got tactically done in the cup game at home and he almost just opened the door again to be tactically done again and um, it was just far too easy um, for Manchester City on the day it was there was no challenge um, it was a training ground game they probably have they'll probably go back to training tomorrow possibly in this afternoon and probably have a harder 11v11 um, intra squad um, at the Etihad um, because that that was genuinely there was a huge, massive gulf between the two sides. There are mitigating factors, of course. Um, you've mentioned them there. There were a number of key players um, missing. Jamal Lascelles for me is a huge, huge miss. Yes, he makes the odd error. Yes, he isn't the most mobile, but he's the captain, the leader. He's the glue that holds that defence together. Um, the defence, despite a couple of clean sheets, has been creaking of late um, and just taking the cells out of there makes a huge huge difference um, putting Emil Kraft in at centre half no thanks um, everyone was raving about him after that Bournemouth performance or was it West Ham West Ham um, but for me I, I still wasn't 100% convinced by him in that game um, I'm, I'm not 100% convinced by him as a right back um, and I'm 0% convinced by him as a centre half that was a change that made absolutely no sense. When, despite the fact that I'm not convinced again by uh, Fabian Shaw as a central defender in a four, he is a central defender. He's an international one and um, played for some good clubs and um, played in a four for Newcastle before. Just play, play him in the right position, play him at centre-half. Um, John Joe Shelby's uh, not mobile enough to play where he was played. He actually has a better impact on games, picking the ball up from deep, um, gives him a little bit more space. And uh, his main strength, as we all know, is his long range of passing. And um, Steve Bruce described it as playing like playing golf to him um, in the build-up of this game. Well, to be honest, he didn't start him at the tee. He sort of he started him two hundred yards down the fairway, and it just didn't make any sense at all. Um, like I said, he's not mobile enough, and, and the midfield for me in that game was the most baffling. Um, Steve Bruce last week talked a lot about uh, crunch talks with Matty Longstaff. 
be interesting to know how that conversation went. Right, Matty, um, desperate for you to sign a new deal here. I don't want you to go anywhere. But the next time we play, I'm going to play a centre-half who, to me, head looks elsewhere. Um, he doesn't. His head doesn't look in the game at all. I suspect he'd probably leave the club in the summer. And I'm also going to play a central midfielder who's got application and attitude issues throughout his career. Um, and I'm going to pick those two, despite the fact probably both of them won't be at the club next season. Um, but your chance will come, son. It'll come soon. Nah, makes no sense to me. Um, actually, made us quite angry, to be honest, to think that uh, a local lad who loves the club wouldn't get a chance ahead of two players who quite clearly um, don't share anywhere near close to the same sort of feeling um, for the football club. It will be a travesty to allow a footballer to go. Yes, there may be other things at play here. There are some theories out there that suggest there is a deliberate reason why Matty Longstaff hasn't been starting games. And it's an, an idea that um, they're going to try and pressure him into signing this contract. Um, but it hasn't worked from so far. It won't work. Um, and unfortunately, without a takeover and without takeover news imminently, that lad's probably going to leave. Um, and I don't like the treatment of him. I would have started him yesterday. I know he's had injury problems, but he could have played. He could have played from the start and played an hour. Um, and I'm sure he would have given a lot more. He would have put 100% in. There's nothing wrong with a player not having ability, but putting it all in. Two central midfielders, and I'll count DeAndre Yedlin in that as well who played it right back and they just did not put um, the effort in. There's nothing wrong with playing against better players than yourself, but the least you can expect is 100%, 110% effort when you're in the black and white shirt. And that didn't come from any of those three players yesterday. And I'm probably being kind to of a few others as well too. Yeah, certainly in, in Matty Longstaff's case, I think even the John Joe, even the role that John Joe Shelby could have played, he could have quite nicely fitted in there. Could have easily played the, the Fabian Shaw as well. So it'll be interesting to see what, what happens with his future. As you pointed out there, what what is Steve Bruce seeing to uh, Matty Longstaff, you know, to keep him out the side. So if he does want away, you, you can't blame him. But just moving on to the to the lone players uh, that Steve Bruce did hand a chance to last night. Uh, Nabil Bentaleb, uh, Valentino Lazaro, Danny Rose. I think really out of them three, Danny Rose is probably the only one that came out with credit. Uh, maybe with Bent 11, Lazaro, it is, it is difficult throwing them in the deep end against Manchester City. But, I mean, if anything, they didn't rise to any sort of challenge. Did they? they didn't give any sort of impression that, you know, these could be potentially players that, that could be at the club next season, apart from possibly Danny Rose. Of the three, um, I've made a case for Lazaro in the past. It's more based on what I think he can be. He's not really performed. He looked OK going forward yesterday. He's got the ability to beat a man. But would you pay £20 million for him? I'm not so sure. Um, Danny Rose is an interesting case. I was unsure about his motivation. He's a very vocal player. Um, has seen his attitude questioned at times by the Tottenham fan base over the last few years and certain managers as well who've been involved at that football club. Um but I genuinely, and I had my own doubts uh, pre-lockdown because his levels of performance were just not anywhere near what you would expect of a player who was involved in a run to a World Cup semi-final, played a quite an integral role in that squad um, not so long ago. Uh, and I think, for me, um, after lockdown, he's come back a, a transformed player. And I think, 
you can put down those iffy performances pre-lockdown down to the fact that he just didn't have the games in his legs because um, he was he was cut out of Tottenham largely under Jose Mourinho. Um, so I think Rose is making a, a decent case for himself. I think he's a solid performer, much better suited to playing in a four, can do the defensive work really well um, and can also, we're starting to see now those long bust and burst forward, which were a real, which typified um, Tottenham's defensive line back under Pochettino when you had Kyle Walker on one side and, and Danny Rose on the other and they were quite an exciting side scoring goals from every part of the field. And I think there was a couple of instances last night where he, he did he did sort of take those runs forward and that was good to see that's just a sign of fitness um, and he's getting up to the levels which he should be um, I don't think fitness is now an issue with Nabil Bentaleb I think he was massively out of shape when he turned up and it was obvious how far away from being um, Premier League ready he was pre-lockdown. Lockdown's probably come at a great time for him because it's levelled the playing field as it did with Danny Rose slightly. Um, but um, what we're now seeing from Ben Taleb, and I did make a case for him last week because I think he's had a couple of cameos where he's come on and looked quite accomplished. Um, but I don't think that's anything new. I'm not a historian of, of Ben Taleb's career, but you only have to do a little bit of digging to suggest that there's been application issues um, and attitude problems. He didn't get cut out of uh, Schalke's first team picture for no reason at all. Um, and he didn't make it at Tottenham ultimately. Um, and I think, I don't think either of those issues are based on purely uh, ability because I think he's got a lot of ability, but um, his attitude is slightly lacking in certain areas. And I think what we seen last night was, was a part of that. We hadn't particularly seen that from him yet there hadn't been the opportunity to and like I say I, I don't it's hard to judge players when you're playing against um, top 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 players for me it was mentioned in the commentary last night which I'm sure will come out one of the most interesting and probably salient points was that Man City probably are I know Liverpool have won the league at Canada but for me I, I, I value Man City as probably the best team all round squad, everything taking all uh, all things into account that the Premier League has, and that the possibly that stretches as far as Europe, um, and that'll be interesting to see how the Champions League plays out because I think they've got a this could be their year. I think they're really really strong. They have defensive frailties, but again, that was that that was that second choice uh, centre half pair, and last night that wasn't. Their first choice, obviously, I don't think the left backs up to top European standards either. Um, but that that um, that all told, I think uh, you're playing against top top players. But I think ultimately, you can put the effort in, and I don't think we've seen that from Ben Aleb, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah, you set it up nicely there for the for the quote that you mentioned from a from a certain commentator uh, last night. We'll, we'll come on with from uh, Steve McManaman, who was uh, on core commentary on BT last night. Um, a quote in the first half, just before Man City made it uh, 2-0, caused quite a stir on social media. Uh, I'll read the quote here now, word for word. Uh, this is on Steve Bruce. He's done an absolutely incredible job. The football he's played and the goals uh, scored, he's been absolutely amazing. Um, Lima, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to leave this one to you. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm I'm not going to say anything on it. Uh, I'm going to leave it to you. What 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 are your thoughts on on that quote? 
I'm so glad you managed to get that down from the commentary last night um, because I was picking my jaw up off the floor. I had absolutely um, no idea where that came from. Um, I'm not a regular BT sport watcher, I'm going to be honest. And Steve McManaman, I know he's taken a lot of stick over the years, is a relatively, relatively new um, phenomenon to me. Oh my God, I've, I've never heard as bad punditry anywhere. You would get better running commentaries on the sidelines in a Sunday league game from a bloke who's had six pints. Honestly, he's horrific. In one sentence, he's saying, wow, wonderful, Steve Bruce, what a job. And he's not just using, he's not just saying solid. He's saying, oh, excellent, outstanding, incredible are the type of words that he's using. It's just unbelievable because then in the next sentence he's saying, "Oh well, well they're not very no no they haven't been very good no." And then he's criticising. He, he needs to make his mind up. Do you think they're that good, and they've just underperformed, or are they actually, you know, bad? Which, to be honest, anybody who's watched Newcastle United this season would know that McManaman's comments were absolutely ludicrous, and that's part of the problem. There's so many people willing to uh, stick their neck on the line and stick up for Steve Bruce's Newcastle United simply because they want to see the man who is a really good man, lovely bloke, get a get a good opportunity to manage the club that he loves. And that's okay. But you've also got to um, temper that with facts. It's got to be based around statistics. It's got to be based around what you see with a naked eye. And anybody who's watched Newcastle consistently this season would know it's been painful at times. And you know what? For every Bournemouth, there's been three or four of those last night. Well, maybe not those, because we've had Leicester and we've had a couple of others, but there's been some really horrific performances. Um, and we don't have to go back too far to remember them. How painful was the start of the FA Cup run? Yes, it was exciting. It was interesting, but honestly, I took, I got my dad to take my son to only his second ever Newcastle United game. And it was the home, um, the home leg against Oxford. I felt sorry for the young lad. I felt sorry for him that he had to witness that, and he's never been back. You know, obviously, he might not go back for a while because I wouldn't want to watch that again. Um, and like I say, we're only going back to January and February to look back and see how bad Newcastle can be. So I just think it's ludicrous. It's bizarre. Um, Steve Bruce has done well, and in the circumstances, he's done well. I'm not. I'm. It's okay to say that, but in the same sentence, it's okay to be critical as well. Not everything is black and white. There are grey areas, and people just seem to be nailing their colours to the mast either side, and it's it's totally bizarre and it makes no sense. Why would you do that? Because it's it's even the best teams can be bad at times and deserve criticism. Um, everybody can improve in every walk of life in anything that they do and that, that's no different for Steve Bruce just because he's Steve Bruce an English manager deserves a chance this, that and the other doesn't mean he's not open to criticism if you're rubbish say they're rubbish if he doesn't pick the right team say it he gets his tactics wrong from time to time um, he hasn't picked the, he hasn't picked the right players in the right positions last night he's getting it tactically wrong totally in the space of 10 days against the same team that's okay to say that. And that's also okay to say, well, obviously they're a good side, but you could have done better. They've not looked like scoring uh, in both games against Man City. 
And effectively, what there's been no pressure on them in either game, and they've looked even worse than when pressure has been on them. That's okay to say that. And it's also okay to still stand by the point that given the circumstances and the issues that we had in the summer, that Steve Bruce has done a good job this year. But you kind of sense that all the way through Mike Ashley's time in, at the football club in 13 years, success has always been by accident rather than design. And this season, again, sort of really rings true using that theory that Steve Bruce's success largely has been by accident rather than design, in my opinion. Now, that might uh, that might upset a few people um, because there are, like I said, some strange people who don't allow themselves to see grey. They're only allowing black and white. And if they've nailed their colours to the Steve Bruce mast, then they're not going to like that kind of comment. But you've just got to say it as it is. And to be honest, it's been grim this season at times. And that's equally the same at times under Rafa Benitez that the, the one that sticks sticks in my mind, and we hate comparing the two, of course, because they're incomparable. Um, but that Man City game, uh, the home game, a couple of years back, um, well, we could have got a got a point out of it. Um, I think Dwight Gale could have scored near the end. I can't remember the exact year, but I remember nearly pulling my eyes out watching that one. Um, I wasn't there working; I was there as a fan, uh, sitting in the leases, and it was horrific. I could have pulled my eyeballs out watching that after about seventy five minutes. But that was, you know, it's every manager has bad games. That was actually set to a plan and they were deliberately trying to do something. But you don't, like I say, it's accident rather than design. You don't get the sense that there's the same idea, planning, uh, regime in place at the moment. And I don't know. I, I'm, I'm baffled by people's expression online, on Twitter in particular, that it either has to be all for Bruce or all against him. It's okay to say that he's done well and also got a lot wrong this season. I don't know what your thoughts on that are, Jordan. Yeah, it almost seems like a, there's an arrogance outside the northeast to sort of accept what's going on at Newcastle. Now, Steve Bruce has done a good job, but to say he's done an incredible job, and you know, I've heard things about it should be manager of the season stuff as well. I just think it's it's absolutely baffling there. I think he summed up quite quite nicely there. Moving away from Steve Bruce, it just seems to be an arrogance towards the ownership as well. Newcastle 13 years ago were, were a club that was competing at the top end of the, the league and obviously now it almost feels sad that the fact that we've been beat off Man City was all almost expected. So, you know, I tweeted after last night's game saying it's, perform- it's performances like that that do emphasise how much this football club needs changing. I mean, hopefully that arrives in the next few weeks, but we've been saying that for a long time now. Well, hopefully. I think it's it's what we need. The football club needs freshen up. It needs changed. Um, but there's not really going to be any... There doesn't seem to be any hurry up uh, with the Premier League on that front. Um, and unfortunately, we just have to wait and wait and wait and wait. Um, but this is getting really tiresome. Uh, it's like waves. It comes and goes. The football deflects slightly. And then things like that happened last night and you realise the incredible gulf. That'll be a chasing experience for anybody uh, tuning in to Newcastle United last night and seeing uh, Manchester City take them to pieces. Any new viewers from the Middle East, maybe. Anybody in and around the bid who may not be au fait exactly with the the standing of, of uh, this football club uh, compared to the teams at the top in the division, um, like I say, it would be a chasing experience. They would have, it would have been a, a real reality check, bite on the backside stuff. Um, 
they'll now realise if they didn't already, I'm sure they did most, um, that that Newcastle United are a million miles and not even close. The two teams at the top of this division, Manchester City and Liverpool, are light years ahead of the teams slightly below them. And it's it's just incomprehensible how far ahead they are from teams like Newcastle United, um, who, who at best can probably now finish just outside the top 10 in the Premier League. Um, but the gulf in class between the top two and the rest is just out of this world. And I would suggest Man City on, on that kind of form, they didn't have to play amazingly well last night, but Man City in recent form are arguably the best team in England, um, ahead of Liverpool by some considerable distance, in my opinion. I think they've got the strength and depth, the squad, they've got everything about them um, that, that puts them head and shoulders above Liverpool. Liverpool have had the bit between their teeth this season, um, rightly so, 30 years since they've won the Premier League and they've chucked the towel in since, which is totally understandable. But um, with the Champions League in mind, um, I think Manchester City have got a really good chance of, of winning that this year um, and Newcastle United, um, enough said about them really because they're, they're a million, a billion, a trillion miles away from um, competing with those teams but that's the Premier League. I don't think they're a, I don't think they're quite as far away from competing with teams in and around that mix. We've seen the likes of Sheffield United, Wolves, and others um, sort of edge in and, and do quite well in this division. That's not how Newcastle United reach. Um, so, but the step above that is even bigger, and the step above that again from the Champions League on to the top teams is is astronomic in my opinion. Um, and I think you're seeing the likes of Chelsea now who might be able to uh, bridge that gap with some really clever signings. Um, but at the moment, I think I think Newcastle United would, it would take some massive rebuild and it would take a long time. It took Manchester City four years to win their first trophy um, when they were taken over. Um, it's incredible, I think, how long it may well take Newcastle United, especially to make progress in the division. Um Pro real progress, considerable progress with the amount of money that will be available and impact that the Saudis I know want to make um, and Newcastle United. But go back to that point uh, constantly. The Premier League have to say yes to this. And uh, if they don't say yes to this, um, which I don't think, I still think they will say yes to this. Um, but if they don't do it soon, then I wrote a column on Saturday in Saturday's paper and, and I stand by this. If you thought that last summer was uh, a concern, this summer could be even more so. Um, because at least last summer, when you had a manager leaving, another manager came in, players leave, you had other players come in and money was spent. Um, this time, we've got an owner who does not want to be the Newcastle United owner anymore, has no interest in the football club anymore, has written it off according to those close to him. Um, so do you really think he's going to dig his hand in his pocket and allow the club to spend money you know I'm saying that dig his hand in his pocket do you think he's going to allow the club to dig their hands in their own pockets and spend money Um, I don't believe that's the case I think I think this will be a really challenging summer for Steve Bruce to bring players in move players out um, given all the circumstances in world football and I think it could be a right struggle um, for Newcastle United moving forward if this isn't done by the time that the summer is over 
because it's going to be a it's going to be a, a truncated summer because of their schedules and obviously Premier League football being pushed back. It won't be as long as a normal summer, of course. Um, suggestions that it would be would be back up and running for next season in September, which would only probably take a month off. Uh, a month off a usual season, which isn't bad at all, really, considering the, um, the delays we've had this year already. Um, but that would probably only mean that potentially a, a transfer window would only run to the end of September. September, when football broke up in March, felt like a long time ago, but it isn't really that long now. We're, we're into July, we still haven't had a decision on the uh, on the takeover. And we're probably within about two to three weeks about to see a transfer window in England reopen. And Newcastle United can't make any concrete plans for moving forward without the Premier League giving the say-so on, or say-so or the opposite and saying no on this takeover. Um, I just dread to think what life would be like if they do say no because we've got a, we've got a want-away owner who's thrown the towel in, who had very little interest as it was um, and it's just his interest levels have just gone through the floor uh, given this process um, and should it fall through it would be no shock if we just decided to give the club away as well it's, it, it's, I think it's got, it's got potential to be really damaging really damaging this summer Yeah, I think there could be, be potentially a lot of damage done already really because of had the Saudis been in uh, now they, you know, they could have pressed ahead with plans but Almost all the plans that they had in place are obviously being backtracked. So Newcastle, whatever happens, potentially will be playing catch up for next season with a with a change of change of arms. But uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, hopefully Steve McManaman hasn't tuned in um, <laughs> after Liam's uh, scathing verdict. But um, you're your Macca. Come on next week. <laughs> we can try. We can try. I'll, uh, I'll see if I can get in touch with his agency and we can, we can get him on. He can uh, he can discuss his comments. But. Uh, yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, in the meantime, until our next podcast, you can tune into the Shields Gazette for your latest Newcastle United coverage and follow uh, this podcast on Twitter at Mouth of Time Podcast.